You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy. Hello, you have tuned in to The Happiness Hub. This is our fourth episode today and you're here with me and Liz in the studio. Hello, Liz. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you very much, Kedrin Elliott, seeing as you Ooh. didn't mention your name, but oh, it's very nice to be here. <laughs> how, uh, what have you been up to this week then, Liz? Well, what have I been up to? The one exciting thing that's rather taken over my life is that I'm having a new kitchen fitted. Ooh. So fortunately, our kitchen fitters are not locked down and we are able to pursue the uh, the big refit. So today, the boys have been stripping the kitchen down I've actually managed to sell it on Facebook marketplace and it's going to its new home in Kidsgrove as we speak so um yes I've been doing a lot of that really project management as you like to say I've got Mm. a pop-up kitchen now in my dining room it's great (laughs) crikey you're brave getting your kitchen ripped out how many weeks before Christmas I know I know well the actual kitchen itself will be fitted on the 23rd and they reckon it will take a week so I'm giving them an extra week of you know grace but we need to have a new floor fitted at, at the weekend and some some building work done as well so i reckon we'll be without a kitchen for three to four weeks Ooh. hot pot suppers and um my soup kettle will come in very handy mm-hmm. no oven nothing at all it should be interesting actually i must give a big shout out to sean whedon from ginger catering and events she actually owns 34 pepper street which is a cafe um on pepper street funny enough and she's branched out into catering and one of the things she put on facebook uh, last week was that she was doing healthy meals deliveries so mm. last night mj and i had her i can't pronounce it i think it was mumbago no that's not right but it was something chicken it was like a really <laughs> nice it was it had um, peanut butter and and coconut oil and oh it was a really lovely um chicken chicken curry type of meal oh, and good. then tonight we've got sage and turkey meatballs so she delivered us two sets of meals last night at 20 pounds for four meals i think that's really great healthy mm-hmm. meals as well all nutritionally balanced high protein low carb and so we're going to treat ourselves every wednesday night for the next four weeks she's going to come around with two nights worth of dinners and then the rest of the time we're going to have to uh, live out the hot pot all right sounds good sounds like you've got a plan got a plan yeah. got a plan yes by all means bring me a bit of your vegan cookery next <laughs> next week i'll be, be chewing my arm off by then <laughs> i'll see what i can sort out for you so what have you been up to this week what have i been up to so last no not last night tuesday night i can't keep track of the days in lockdown every day's merging into yeah. one um we did a workshop for the uh natwich buddies which is our volunteer group that we have you here. Did, yeah. Um, and I did the uh, workshop around the five ways to mental well-being. Yep, it was really good, really interesting. Yeah, um, it, it was great because we had uh, an interactive session and asking people what they do within those five ways. And we'll probably do a podcast on it because the five ways have been around since 2008. And it's just easy things that people can do to help them with their mental health. Mm. Obviously, they have to be core things like making sure you, your income is secure and your job and your home. And the a lot of work to do for probably quite a lot of people during this lockdown but then it's thinking about well what else over and above and yeah and it was really good I really enjoyed it 
Yeah, it was great to hear some feedback as well from some of our Nantwich buddies that were taking part about the things that they do to to improve their well-being. Mm. And I think it was Nikki this morning that said she'd been out for half an hour this morning for a walk and listening to the podcast, podcast in yeah. her ears. So <laughs> it's nice to hear what people are doing to, to keep their, their mental well-being up and maybe try new things as well, start new things. Yeah, so. uh, it was great because everybody shared about things that they did. And the one of the five ways is to give. So it's giving your time, giving your presence, um, you know, saying nice things to, to people to help them with their mental health. And Charlotte, who, who said lots of different things, but she looks after a lot of our buddies and our clients. She also gives blood. She yeah. she has almost given, I think she said, like ne- next week or the week after, a hundred pints of yeah. blood yeah. to the blood bank. That's incredible, That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't Imagine it? how many people's lives you've saved yeah. by doing that. Yeah, really incredible. Yeah. Mm. I've only given blood, I have to shame to admit it, only given blood three times. And I did it three years in a row when I first moved up here, but I haven't done it since. And it's just gone off my radar. And I really, mm. really must, yeah, get back into doing it because it's a, it's a great thing to do. Yeah. And like Charlotte said, you get a nice cup of tea and a biscuit. <laughs> well, I said, I hope you get more than just a biscuit for giving a hundred pints I'd want a whole cake for that (laughs) right we ought to get on to our guest who's our guest today Ah, well, our guest today is Rachel. Um, So Rachel owns a company called, this is where I have to be careful, Play Pizzazz. Jazz hands. Play (laughs) Pizzazz. (laughs) Hello, Rachel. Hi. I saw those jazz hands. I felt those. (laughs) We're sending you virtual jazz hands, never mind virtual hugs. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Funnily enough, I have done a video about sending hooks that they're in a socially distanced way that you can look at on YouTube. Oh, very good. Excellent. So, Rachel, tell us about tell us about yourself first of all. Mm. What have you done over your sort of career, your life that brings you to where you are today? Oh wow, it's so interesting you asked me that because pretty much everything that I have done has led me to this point, as is logical, but it's also thematically true. Because I was always sort of singer and I was always doing drama as part of the English Tourist Theatre Youth Theatre as I was growing up. I should say, I grew up here in Nantwich and then uh, I went to university in Manchester and then I worked in Liverpool. So mm-hmm. I'm a, a real sort of, I've been a home in Pigeon and come back home to Roots. <laughs> um, but I've, I'm very grounded in the Northwest. Yeah, so I, I trained in drama. That was my undergraduate. And then I did loads in Manchester. And I did that thing that that all sort of enthusiastic young people do, which is to throw themselves into everything that is linked to their field. So um, I became a mentor um, with a disability charity called Full Circle Arts. I volunteered for Contact Theatre. I was part of their sort of Young Ambassadors programme. I did all sorts of things like that. And then what I did was I thought, right, well, you know, I've sort of done my year in Manchester, got loads of experience. I'll have to go home and then just start to think about theatres. So I, I wrote a letter to the six artistic directors of theatres um, in the Northwest that I knew I could get to train fair. And then I heard back from a couple of them. And then one landed from the artistic director to the theatre and community director at the time when she had run out of artistic um, assistant directors, sorry, for a particular project. And I was literally that one letter that said, oh, I might as well just give this person a go now because she'd been through that many because the project was so difficult. And that letter was me. And then that basically worked really well on that project. It was something um, for for Black History Month that the theatre was doing at the time. So I did that. And then that allowed me to get more work with the theatres. There's something called a cross-curricular in schools, which is where you blend two subjects to sort of create the learning objectives and the way forward for a particular subject. And I was part of the Department for Education pilot project for that. And then there came some money available and I was their outreach coordinator. Um, So so I was then employed there as a a trainee. I did loads of different stuff. So I was there at the Everman and Playhouse Theatre throughout the whole of Capital of Culture. I was leading on £20,000 projects. I did all of their community work uh, for the Capital of Culture. 
And I also started a programme called Included, uh, which was the, the core focus of it was to um, involve marginalised communities into coming to the theatre, which, you know, sort of historically wasn't done. You know, sort of none of none of those communities felt like theatre was for them. So I developed a programme to allow them to come. It was really successful. There was about 150% increase in certain areas. And so I did that. So practically I worked with uh, people in prisons. I went into Walton Prison and took a professional theatre company in there. I worked uh, on a project that led to kinder transport. I teamed up some young people with some Holocaust survivors and they learned from each other. I did some uh, work with the Irish travellers who are based on the Dock Road because we had a play called The Way Home, which was based around that. Uh, crikey, just all sorts. If, if you wow. name it, I've sort of worked with them. Gosh. <laughs> and then um, I sort of got to a point where I thought, right, well, I feel like I've specialised quite early in outreach here and I've done quite a lot. And so I thought, if I'm, if I'm going to move anywhere in theatre, I should probably, you know, get some schools experience. So then I trained to teach. And then I did my training at Chester, worked at Sandbox Boys School, and then came over to teach school here in Nantwich. And then I thought, do you know what? Is it is it time now to sort of combine all of these things into something that brings together those experiences, those that, that sort of passion which I do have for, for sort of working with children and young people and families? Because, you know, every time you work with a child, you inadvertently work with their caregivers as well mm, in some capacity. Mm. And I don't think we can ever lose sight of that, really, if we're going to do children justice. So, therefore, Play Pizzazz was born. And then I started the company during lockdown. I wrote a book, which has been five-star reviewed, called Daisy's Fuzzy Tummy. And it's a picture book. And I teamed up with an illustrator based in Williston. And she illustrated the book. It's so beautiful. And it, it was written to support um, younger children through COVID anxiety. And that's what the fuzzy tummy is. Um, so I wrote that book at the time at which I launched the company and it's just been growing ever since I've recently won an award through the University of Chester uh, which was called Venture Pitch 2020 and then I've just recently started my special education needs coordinator training and I'm so looking forward to sort of weaving that more and more into the work that I do at Play Pizzazz because uh, one of the strands of need in special education needs is social and emotional and mental health Mm. and we're going to need so many resources I feel at the moment like everybody knows and understands that that we need a lot of support but I don't I get this sense that that's sort of like a sentence at the moment and people Mm. are still working out what that need may or may not look like so I'm really really looking forward to sort of learning more through that and then building that into play for staff as well Sorry, Crikey. that was a really long answer. I know, that's amazing, <laughs> all of that. That's yeah. Potter's history, but I mean, fair play, you've done plenty like up until now, but the, the, what you've achieved in just nine months since lockdown yeah. is incredible. You've like, published a book and yeah. set up a whole new company and won an award and now got yourself a throat infection. I'm not surprised, you probably need to rest. Yeah. <laughs> she does more than you do, so that's saying something. Oh, I think it's uh, it's lovely It's lovely talking to you and hearing all the different drama things and activities done with kids. I did drama in my old life and was always set to do drama but my my father didn't approve so I did it in secret but it was always it was always a really good release for me and I struggled with my mental health as a teenager and drama was a fantastic outlet for me I couldn't sing for toffee but I could stick on a funny hat or stick on an outfit or get up on stage and for some reason I was able to do that and yet I was I wouldn't say I was necessarily shy, but I didn't necessarily have many friends or communicate particularly well with people. But drama gave yeah. me an outlet and that, that I think helped my teenage years with my mental yeah, health, yeah. definitely. Because when you when you look at the things, you know, the, the things that impact on, on a child's mental health, you've got the learning environment, family, individual factors and community. And the positive things in all those three, if you go around, so the learning environment is connectedness. 
Mm. A, a theatre environment gives you that because you literally have to connect with other people. A sense of community, support and belonging. You go through those rehearsal room doors and you know that you will meet like-minded people, yeah. which is such an amazing thing for somebody's well-being anyway. To, to walk in and feel like you're amongst your own is what we all strive mm. for, isn't it? Mm. And then there's individual factors. It builds a, a resilience, emotional connectedness because you are part of the team. If you don't stay aligned, the scene doesn't happen. I mean, you can't get more connected than that, can you? Yeah, definitely. And, and for those people, you know, I've heard it time and time again throughout my career where people's family lives you know there hasn't been a great deal of attachment there's been some level of trauma the family breakdown is happening or it doesn't work in some way shape or form but they get that attachment and consistency and sense of family in a creative environment be Mm. that an art room or you know a theatre space or through through working as an ensemble as a musician so if, if you look at all of those factors that can impact on a child's mental health family learning environment community and individual factors and then you look at the positive things which positively impact on those factors Mm. you've basically got the art and you know if I could wear that on a t-shirt and literally play a trumpet yeah (laughs) you know just really fly that flag yeah that would that would you know that would be my reason that because so many of the skills that we need in our young people can be achieved when we work creatively I've seen it with with the, the students and the kids that we've had doing podcasting and well pro- formerly radio for ten years we've been running Redshift and our youngest presenter started when he was eight years old and the way they've these youngsters have developed over the time and we've had kids start when they're twelve thirteen fourteen and parents report back their confidence improved their communications yep. improved they feel happy about themselves yep. it gives them that that little outlet that they possibly don't find in the classroom for for whatever reason or friendship circles yeah. challenging yeah. or whatever and this is why we must always do that thing at the end of your arts council report or something it feels like the bit that you drag yourself through after you've done the exciting project but that's where we need to capture this data because yeah. that's what people will listen to it's wonderful to have stories that we tell and, and it, we know it you know in a, in a verbal way but to have sort of a tacit piece of information that goes this is the percentage at which people now engage that didn't before Mm. this is the percentage of people young people that report that they no longer feel at the bottom end of the mental health spectrum Mm. you know we need that don't Mm. we definitely definitely I know Keds has got some questions for you. I was just taking all of that in. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, one thing I will add, I remember the first time I realised that kids, and I say these were nine-year-olds, suffer with mental health and stress and worry and anxiety is when I was teaching, my first year of teaching, I did a, an NLP course became an NLP practitioner and then decided right I need to get this stuff to kids so I was 26 years old then left my job trained as a teacher and my first teaching post was in a very affluent school a very very it was down in Surrey very high achieving school da 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 and I was astounded within the first two weeks of that first term when I was a newly qualified teacher of how many children aged in year four age eight and nine were stressed depressed anxious because their parents were stressing about their times tables or the teacher was performing or stressing about their handwriting or they'd fallen out with their friends or mum and dad were getting divorced or granny had died whatever it was these little people were not enjoying their childhood Mm. because they were so stressed and a lot I mean the the trauma and the family issues one thing but also making these kids write and write neatly and do their times tables and make make sure their spellings oh my goodness me it really had quite a profound effect on me and so much so I didn't Mm. didn't stay in the mainstream education setting for a long time because I felt we were not servicing these kids well and in the right way and I think it's so important that those extracurricular activities particularly in the creative arena and sport Mm. as well are so vitally important for our young people it's very very important so at the start of lockdown obviously parents you know it was it was 
a, a time of incredible quick change. And, you know, let's not forget that sort of global problems, things that change very quickly in a global sphere, as well as in our personal life, can trigger, if we lose something quickly in the world, as well as personally, it can trigger a grief response. Mm. So at the time at which the whole world was reeling from lockdown and how things escalated so quickly, I put some videos on YouTube on my channel papers, which you can still see now. They're all available for free. And it was about something called discovery learning. And it works better with sort of smaller children, but you can adapt it to older children, which is where you basically take their interest and then you build the learning experience around that. So for my little boy, it was it was dinosaurs. So one day we just went on a, on an imaginary paleontology mission, and we learned about sort of which country we were going to, where, how to get there. That you know we looked at planes a little bit, how we would get there, what we would need at the dig, a little bit about language of the country, currency, you know, sort of how many of this you would need for the other, and the amount of learning yeah. that you can weave in, into an imaginative experience is Definitely. something really exciting and I think you know those parents that you talked about before that if there was sort of less stress and more listening just mean then that would create that brain space and we buy the penny and miss the pound sometimes with our children because we think "I'll, I'll get them this I'll get them the other we'll have this house we'll have this money we'll have this time which is all wonderful things and children need stability even if it's just for two minutes where you put on their favorite song on YouTube and have a dance yeah, they will yeah. remember that yeah they yeah, will definitely. remember that yeah and I think it's sometimes about taking just taking your head off and putting mm. sort of like their opinion mm. into yours for a second and just understanding that those two minutes will will be remembered for a very long remembered. time yeah, just yeah. let go and you know dance to Bruno Mars for a bit <laughs> yeah yeah no, I think that's really important really important they are sensitive, aren't they, kids? And I think sometimes, particularly as they get older, having a teenage stepdaughter in my house, it's determining whether that behaviour is depression or whether it's just them being exactly. a teenager. But they can be very, very sensitive at that age. But I liked what you said about, you know, incorporating what the children are interested in yeah, in, yeah. in order for them to be able to learn. Because I remember I didn't do very well at primary school and I had real problems with telling the time and counting money. And my mother would sit me down in front of the telly and try to teach me. And obviously, mm. as a kid, you get distracted, don't you? I mean, even back then, we didn't yeah. have like mobile phones and the tablets and stuff. But I just get distracted by the TV. And my dad was like, just switch the TV off yeah. so she'll concentrate. And, and, and I just couldn't. It was so stressful. Yeah, mm. that's the thing. It would be because, you know, it, it comes down to connectedness again. Yeah. You know, there was a sort of, the, there wasn't the ability to put yourself in, in somebody else's shoes and understand that, that they are in that place. And, and if you accept the fact that there's a barrier there to start with, you think about jumping over the barrier. You would never, you would never just push against a brick wall, would you? You'd find a way mm. around it. And I think, you know, it's that metaphor that can sometimes help. But what's really interesting is that it makes sense start with what you're interested in it's what you'd say to an adult isn't it who's starting something new but there's a cultural barrier again to use that word so when I when lockdown started I I did something called refresh and reload which I still offer now which is where you can have a consultation with me and we talk through what any sort of um, blocks there might be with your child's learning and then I sort of do a bit of a creative plan around it so um, obviously I had quite a few clients during lockdown and there was a resistance there was sort of like oh well you know Mr. XYZ has given us this work to do, uh, but I'm finding it really difficult because I've got to be on the laptop and blah, blah, blah. And so I'd hear that and I'd say, okay, but what you need to do first, get the child to listen. You know, so you build this barrier. I need to do this. I need to do this. And then you built up an impasse. So, you know, I said, fine, don't worry about that for now. Just, just get them to hold a pen and you can do this by doing this. Or so I was doing all sorts of things, like somebody was struggling with his math, so, but he was really into ninjas. So to embed his math into his math homework into things, I said, 
right, well, you can you can go out into the field for part of your exercise. His job is to is build a new ninja training camp and he's got to make it the right ratio. He's got to make it the right height. He's got to think about the, the specification of it, what how it's going to be used, what the different room sizes might need and what their requirements might be. And I could tell this parent was a bit like, Okay, but but what what about what about his time tables? Like we can come to that yeah, in yeah, a minute. Yeah. Just, so anyway, so she went along with it, and then um, he ended up getting sort of so many house points for his mm. creative interpretation of this, that, and the other. Mm. So it, it's like it's leaps of faith, isn't it? You know, it, yeah. it sounds weird and doing these weird things, and why are you telling your child to fly to Spain to learn them to count or mm. teach them to count or whatever? But um, you know, if you if you just sort of uh, think right, well, let's start with enjoyment and fun and Definitely. engagement and build from mm. that point on. Definitely. Mm. It takes the stress away from the parent and the child, mm. doesn't it? Because exactly. that can be a, yeah. a massive barrier to the whole thing. Because if you're stressed, the kid's going to pick it up yeah. that you're stressed and yeah. You're, yeah. you're not off to a great start, are you? No, exactly. Yeah, and let's let's talk about expectations. We're in a global pandemic. Yeah. I didn't think we'd still be here now. I don't think many don't of think, us are. No. So, so, and if I did, sorry. So, you know, let's just talk about expectations. What are our expectations? Mm. Sort of bubbles are folding in schools. People are working from home again. Mm. There's, there's a sense of things weren't sure before, but there is an uncertainty now, which is unprecedented. And again, if we're talking about children, children's mental health, school is a safe place. You know, even even during lockdown, the sort of idea that school was there. This is what you do at school. Let's all get back to school. Mm. So, so it's like school finished, my security's gone. But if we think about, you know, what's affecting children's mental health now, school isn't the same anymore. School no, is no not. longer safe. Mm. So even during lockdown, one school was safe to a certain extent because it was, you know, the mythical thing that nothing could happen in school. School finished where it was and then it was left there and then we'll go back when everything's mm. okay again. So even that illusion for children has is, is been shattered as well. And that's something I feel really passionately about because we are in this place where the one thing that was the safe place for a lot of children, even if they weren't vulnerable, it was something where you had very clear expectations mm. of is vanished now. So we do need, all of us need to be really mindful of that. Yeah, it's having that routine as well for kids going to school every day. And they had such a long time off school, but also mm. for, for adults who are having to work at home, having mm. some sort of routine is quite good for mm. people's mental health. And when that kind of gets oh, taken definitely. away, you're like, oh, right, what, what, what do I need to do differently? Um, you yeah, touched a little yeah. bit apart there um, about the issues that children and young people are facing with mm. their mental health at the moment. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned about the routine of not being at school. Is is there anything mm. else that you think is 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 really pressuring on young people's mental health at the moment during this pandemic? I think it comes back to what I was saying before about being mindful of triggering um, an anxiety, grief response in things because mm. there is no set rule anymore. And I think that is the biggest thing. So, you know, if you think about some of the classic hallmarks of, of anxiety, sort of like withdrawal, confidence drops, um, different behaviours and, and also sometimes aggression so there's all sorts of things that you might see in a young person and like you said yourself you might attribute it to, to sort of being you know hormones or, or teenager or something like that but you know if, if you just sort of spend some time to think about or, or have a look at what some of the symptoms of anxiety can be um, a lot of them could could be rooted in anxiety and I think that one thing you can do it, it's almost like what what was that behavior trying to communicate because I'm a mm. firm believer that, that all all behavior is communicate communication in some way shape or form so if you sort of look at the presentation and then almost work back from that I think that might be a useful tool for conversation so you know and it's about these tips for talking about mental health and supporting young people you know model positive behavior obviously we we were all sort of having got our own different struggles but if that 
young person can see you modeling resilience or sort of finding ways around it or taking five minutes coming back into the room thinking right what should we do about it now then they are learning through watching and then just clear consistent messages as well and sometimes I, I, I'm not too sure this is the guidance let's follow that because that's the best we've got and just having those clear honest conversations communication about what's yeah, happening. is definitely key yeah, isn't and, it yeah and you know let's not talk about sort of circumspect or whatever this is what we know this is the guidance that we've got should we should we do that for now and just age appropriate communication and just keep it open and they're the things that I would be advising families to do and you know sort of just look for changes in behavior and and work back from there really and then if you apply those techniques for supporting talking about feelings mental health different behaviors then you can find your way there but I think never underestimate the small cues so make sure the television's off when you do it Make sure your body language is sort of like aligned to each other. Make sure that there's lots of eye contact and start with open questions is always quite a good one. Or start with something that's even totally irrelevant, like what do you think of what you did on East End? I'm not too sure, you know, and then say, all right, you know, you look a bit or just mean you can start to build it from that point on. But sort of work with the knowledge that you have of that child Mm. and take it from there I watched a really good video the other day I think it was a TED talk about um, how to not take things personally and it was a referee um, who obviously gets quite an awful lot of insults thrown at him during a match but he said that he'd worked on this and done research into it and he said one of the first things to do is quite clear what he said if somebody's being angry or aggressive or he gave an example if you're driving down the road and somebody behind you is beeping his horn and you know doing all sorts of gestures at you because you're driving too slow it's thinking about what is behind that reaction yeah very much like with with the children I mean I remember being a bit of an angry teenager uh, when I was young but thinking about well what is behind that reaction Mm. that there's something going on there and putting yourself in those shoes not immediately going like with my stepdaughter I'd go well it's because she doesn't like me because I'm the evil stepmother I always go (laughs) that scenario but it's not about me it's yeah. about it's about her yeah. and what's going yeah. on for them. There's an NLP belief we taught when I did my NLP 15 years ago that behind every behaviour is a positive intention, and we looked at case yeah. studies of you know you, you could escalate this to really really bad examples like somebody has murdered somebody, but for the murderer there was a positive intention. You know, I hate to say it, but for a rapist, he's doing it a positive intention. For him, it's a bad behaviour. But for him, in some bizarre, weird way, there is a positive intention to give him some sort of satisfaction. And that's obviously big, high, bad scale. But when you bring it back down to the way I the way I dealt with a lot of stuff that went on in my youth and early adulthood was behind the behavior that certain people exhibited towards me they they had a positive intention they wanted good for me but the way they presented it to me was actually negative and and actually detrimental Mm. to me Mm. but if you can try and turn things around and and always remember that I find that has really helped me over the years and I think it's also knowledge of that child that young person sometimes it's about you know if, if there is a special education need is, is it sort of impulse-led? It, you know, it, it's thinking, sometimes I, I do it with my with my little boy who's four. He'll do something, you know, it will be quite a big feeling that he shows. And I just sort of, obviously it takes quite a lot of time, but I just sort of stop and say, what do you need? What do you want? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and then, and then that helps him to try and find the words for it because any sort of, you, you know, we talk about mental health being on the continuum, it's, it's all there somewhere. If you are further into the sort of struggling end of the mental health continuum, then it, it's 
sort of what we need to sort of bring it back again what conversations need to be had how can we how can we scale it to bring it back and it's it's all things that can be achieved you know if, if we just have this open dialogue mm. I think it's it's great talking about it now and it, it makes perfect sense and it seems logical when you talk about it but when you're in the moment yeah it's very difficult sometimes mm. to uh mm. to take yeah, that no, step I, back isn't it yeah yeah I, I, sorry that was more in reference to um when you are supporting that person oh yeah so, yeah. so you know, to, for you as the person who is not in the middle of it, but mm. the person who is sort of trying to facilitate, because sometimes, you know, it's, it's an impulse, isn't it, that we have as humans to match like with like. So if somebody is angry, you know, it's that classic de-escalation, but, and it can be hard to do, especially at times like this, when we've got different personal circumstances, things are escalating. I mean, the fact that, that bubbles are folding left, right and centre in school, you know, you could, could get a letter at at 8, 9pm to say that your child needs to stay at home tomorrow. You know, yeah. that's the most destabilising thing, which Gosh, can be incredibly yeah, damaging yeah. to people's mental health. Mm. And it's happening so much. It's just the way things are at the moment with schools being open. And it's all those contributing factors to mental health. If you've got a family that isn't isn't going to be financially recompensed for that time off or whatever, then that leads to different decision-making, different pressures. The child then sees that. And we have to understand that it's not just a continuum for that person that might fluctuate daily in a child's life. They have to sort of assimilate everybody else's as well, which can mm, be tough. Definitely. So talk, talk to us a little bit about uh, play pizzazz because there's, there's lots yeah. of things that are impacting um, children's and young people's mental health at the moment. What kind of things hmm. do you, you do in your business that, that helps combat these things? Okay, so um, I've written a blog quite recently, which um, I sent over to Liz earlier, which is about imaginative play for the exhausted. So one strand of what I do is to support parents. And that's mainly done through social media and the website, which is sort of free resources, free activities. So that's one example. We can have a look at the blog and get some ideas from that. Um, I've also got a free download, which is called Vital and Valid in Play. And when we were talking before about those four areas which can impact on a child's mental health, the family learning environment, community and individual factors, a lot of the things that come from strengthening those relationships and strengthening that resilience is to do with feeling vital and valid. So I've done a whole thing there, which is just to literally click to subscribe and that's all there for you as well. Um, I offer sessions called Refresh and Reload, which is half an hour with me where we can talk through things. I come up with a plan and then I you, you implement the plan and then we can have a chat about it again. So there's that sort of play pizzazz at home. I'm also branching out into play pizzazz in school. So I've just written a workshop with a mental health nurse, which links to my story, Daisy's Fuzzy Tummy, which we're just about to pilot in some schools which links back to what I was talking about earlier with um, the theatre work so uh, you, you go with Daisy on an adventure and you pack your your rucksack full of different strategies to help you mm-hmm. uh, and you sing a song to help you do it so it might be to calm you down you, you you rub your hand or you take that big breath and it's sort of a COVID safe sensory walk around those techniques for children uh, which schools will be able to book quite soon so I've got the book as well Daisy Fuzzy Tummy and I am doing if anybody who listens to this wants to get in touch to get um, a free companion activities pack that's absolutely fine so you can get to Daisy's Fuzzy Tummy through the, through my website or through Amazon and if you let me know just say Redshift or something like that I can give you a free activities pack to sit alongside that. Oh brilliant. Um, but, I am um, I'm branching out more and more into sort of the education setting so that I can help a bit more strategically. So I've, I'm bubbling away behind the scenes about creating a strand on my website, which is called Extraordinary Education, which mm-hmm. will allow me to work with local authorities and, and charities. I know we talked off air, didn't we, about some charities I might be able to support and, mm-hmm. and maybe go in for some tenders to do some joint work to make a bigger impact, really, and do some more project-based work. So I've sort of got that on the back burner as well. 
Brilliant. Blimey, you're busy. a busy lady. Yeah, very, very busy. <laughs> Got time to do a podcast. <laughs> we could have a whole uh, children's educational uh, podcast, couldn't we? You could uh, oh, add, that to that. Your, add that to your bow. And, you know, you can that. do it from yeah. home. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sounds perfect. Excellent. Well, we've come up to, we're hitting 33 minutes chat okay. time now, so we do need to start wrapping up. Have mm-hmm. we um, got some top tips from Rachel? She's Yes, yeah. Rachel, we wanted to ask you about kind of what your top tips are and what you do for your own mental health and what kind of things make you happy. I think for me, it's feeling fresh air and being outside, um, which, which I know is very tricky for people at the moment. But if you are blessed with any sort of outside space that you can go to, just take some time to breathe the air, Feel that it's different than being inside. Feel the different and notice things. And and I do this more because I have a small child and I love it. Just notice mm. and look and talk about what you see. And as soon as you start to connect differently with the world around you, you start to sort of see a bigger picture and start to feel more connected to your environment, mm. which is, which does wonders for your mental health and well-being. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's almost like, I do feel sometimes like we're all trying to get our way back to, to that sort of like childlike sense mm, of wonder which mm. will make us feel better about the world so it, you know I like to be outside even if it's just to stroll around feel the, the crunch of the leaves feel some air around you oh this time of and year I think, is lovely yeah yeah but you need but you can't always do it if it's soggy the leaves are soggy <laughs> if it's a grey day it feels a bit rubbish doesn't it so that is that is something that on a day like today you know where it's glorious mm. I think something for me which is very very personal but hopefully some of the listeners might connect I am a person person I get energy from other people I really like it and I'm also quite I like to feel like I'm moving forward in some way you probably can't. Um, <laughs> so, so for me if I feel like something's not moving forward it doesn't do me any wonders whatsoever I, I start to feel a bit a little bit agitated if I think things aren't moving forward in some way So something that helps me is I I take one thing and I think if I can move, if I've moved one thing forward today, that's fine. And sometimes when you feel overwhelmed, it's really hard to do the simplest thing. Mm. It's really hard even to open up your inbox because you think, oh, what's going to be there? Mm. Or even, you know, sometimes it's getting dressed. You just don't really think, what's the point, blah, blah, blah. So for, for me, never underestimate the joy and the sort of sensory feedback that you can sometimes get from moving one thing forward mm. you know and and I think that's really important so it might be that you open your personal inbox it might be that you pay that one bill that due in two weeks time mm. but you're going to leave it there. just tick something off mm. and you'll realize that you actually it's not too bad I can tick some other things off as well so I always think if you can move one thing forward that always helps as well and Try it to be. It's the most obvious one in the world, but never feel like somebody doesn't want to know who how you are. People do want to know how you are. People do. You've got people in your life that want to know how you are. So let them know. Mm. Just let them know how you're doing. Hi, I'm feeling. You know. Hi, I'm. I'm. I'm like this today. How are you? Or how's your day been? Send them a funny picture. And again, if you've got overwhelming feelings and you are further into that continuum than you'd like to be, that can feel like the biggest thing to open up your inbox and text somebody and reach out. But again, like the task list thing, that, that will feel less overwhelming if you just do that tiny thing. And I'm quite a big list person as well. And I break that my list down like this. If I've got one massive thing on the list that feels too big, and I think I've looked at it for a few too many days, I think, right, well, that is too big to deal with then, isn't it? So I say, right, well, plan this smaller bit of it then. Think of the title, write the first paragraph or whatever it is. And I think for me, it's noticing and small steps. They are my things that see me through these difficult times mm. and hopefully that will resonate in some way as well. 
Definitely. Does it resonate with you, Liz? It does, yeah, no, it does. In fact, it reminds me of the sort of time pretty early on in lockdown when I realised that, I mean, it's only me and my husband in the house, but I thought, right, well, and we, we, we're never strict about clearing up or, you know, we have supper. We don't clear the kitchen before bed or anything like that. But, you know, it always stays reasonably nice. But I kind of got this thought in my head, right, I've just got to do it. If, if I yeah. don't put the dishes away and he doesn't put the dishes away, we're just going to have this constant battle. And I thought, mm. instead of putting it off until the morning, just get on and do it. So now, yeah, exactly. and, and it started to filter into his radar. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's very good at it. Sorry, MJ. But <laughs> I, will, I will try now to make sure that I put everything away before I go to bed. And it's mainly because I've been working at home so much. He goes, he goes off to work. He's been working all through lockdown, going to the office, whereas my mm. work has been based at home. So I come down in the morning, I'm like, oh God, I've got to clean in the kitchen yes, oh I've exactly. got to do this I've got other commitments I've got to sort my goats out I've got to do that I've got to take the dog out so that one thing just doing that one thing at night time has definitely mm. helped me you know feel calmer and more organized the next day mm. I think that exactly. is a whole podcast because I've talked to lots of people about that you know it's a what do they call it like there's, there's a word for it wait like a, a golden hour if you've got like lots and lots of things to do like Rachel mentioned about looking at your inbox and things like that but if you just yeah. say like I'm just going to take this hour yeah and this is yeah, all yeah, I'm yeah. going to yeah. do in that hour and then when the hour's up mm. even if I haven't yeah. finished it at least I've done some of yeah, it yeah yeah definitely. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I yeah. think, sort of, as I said, deeper, deeper into the sort of mental health spectrum, that thing of even just opening your laptop, that could feel so big. Mm. But if you just open it up and switch that on button and you mm. think, oh, you know, no gremlins have leapt out of the screen at me, this <laughs> yeah. might be okay. You know, so we can never underestimate the, the small things, but just moving things forward. That, now that's what the podcast could be called, that one thing. <laughs> What's that noise? <laughs> We've I got something know. strange going on in the is that, studio. Is that, is that the, someone upstairs <laughs> drilling? It sounds like that. I thought it was <laughs> something time. else. I thought it was the Can gremlin. you hear that, Rachel? I thought it was a no, gremlin. has gone on for too long. <laughs> I thought it was the gremlin that Rachel was talking about. It's literally, as soon as you said the gremlin, this noise came. <laughs> and we, we both leapt out of our skin. <laughs> very professional could you not hear that noise <laughs> yeah I did that. oh my oh, word sorry Rachel sorry just having a bit of a moment okay, there fine. <laughs> I, was just, I was just coining the phrase for the podcast it could just be called that one thing and yeah. it's all things that we do to, to move things yeah. forward yeah. and keep ourselves at the, at the nicer end of the mental health spectrum where things don't feel too big well funny enough when Re- when Kedrin's first started talking about this what, that was going to be one of the yeah. names wasn't it just yeah. one thing what just one thing oh, are you going to do to improve yeah. your mental health yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> not, not, not that just one thing <laughs> it sounds like there's a, 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 a ship coming into shock <laughs> well I was just thinking yeah. it sounds like one of us is trumping <laughs> Okay, I think, just in case, <laughs> wh- whoever is d- drilling in our building is going to carry on for the next three hours, we, we, better, wrap up, we better wrap up. We do need to get your contact details. So mm-hmm. tell us your website, first of all, please, Rachel. So it's www.playpizzazz, and that's P-I-Z-Z-A-Z-Z.com. Uh, but you can probably most easily get to me, and I'm really responsive on my messages, uh, which is at playpizzazz, spelled the same way, on Facebook or the other way around on Instagram at Pizzazz Play and fire any questions at me I'll happily respond to them these are really tricky times and I'm just here to support brilliant that's really uh, kind well of what you. we do is we'll put all your contact details in the podcast show notes show notes as yeah. well so people can find you definitely and we'll share this on social media and we'll tag you as well mm. oh it's been so nice to talk and we'll have you back again yeah <laughs> 
and again, oh, and again. Stop. yeah because it, it sounds really really interesting and yeah. Uh, yeah putting you in contact with my friend hannah as well who has asked a question and some things that we could cover on the podcast that's just one thing i want to get in liz before we finish is that we're going to be doing regular q a's listeners q a's on the podcast mm. so we we popped a, a few things out um on social media today just asking people what their questions were for liz and i and letting us know what they kind of do for their mental health and mm-hmm. and, and that mm-hmm. makes them happy so please do get in touch with us we'll do those on a regular basis depending on how many kind of comments that we're getting in mm-hmm. uh, from people maybe do a christmas special oh my word <laughs> Oh my goodness me! Every interview that we do, I think we're <laughs> going to have to. <laughs> oh goodness! Right, we will have to call it there. Sorry for the interruptions, everybody. I'll quickly no say problem, our goodbyes. Thank you very much indeed, yes, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. We shall look forward oh, to talking to you again soon. Cheers. Thank you. Take care. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. You're listening to the Happiness Hub part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin and me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy.